0: boxing podcast scott and colin asianboxing.info thank you so much for making us a part of your day if you're in the states hopefully you had a good thanksgiving i know scott was just eating chocolate and preparing for christmas hanging up his tree because they don't celebrate thanksgiving over there in england scott how is everything going
1: everything's going great the tree's looking wonderful and green with a little star on top of it i was told
0: it wasn't hard to put a puppet on top of it
1: because um that's not appropriate and yourself
0: you have to go with the star i'm doing good um we're just here chilling and actually scott and i were just uh delving into the world of the international boxing hall of fame which is really cool we were on that site for about 10 minutes just getting lost in different profiles of fighters we've never heard of so that was fun that
1: was very fun and perhaps needs sorting out um with all the various categories perhaps a little bit juggled and juggled but very interesting say.
0: and and they have some asian boxers in there as well some koreans and thais and japanese and filipinos so that that's cool at least while maybe they don't recognize all of the great asian boxers at least they have some so we thank them for that
1: yeah they have some old legends like fighting harada pancho villa jungku chang and myung woo Yu. it's great to see those names being recognized internationally
0: and hopefully eventually There'll be some more Asian boxers getting in there. Of course, Manny Pacquiao, he's going to be at the top of that list. But hey, maybe Naoya Noe in the future uh, will be inducted into the Boxing Hall of Fame. All right, let's, let's get back on track. I just had to go off script there for a little while because I thought that was very interesting. Just looking at all the different names. But uh, maybe another name that could possibly be a Hall of Famer. I mean, he's he's a shoo-in, right? Juan Hang, the GOAT, he fought. And Scott, you called it last week. You even put money on it. You were 100% right that Juan Hang was going to get dethroned, and, and he did by a, another young Thai fighter.
1: He did. He lost to Pania Padabshri in what was a really,
0: really, really good
1: fight. Um, I know fans don't tend to be that interested in the minimum weights, but this was worth it. I don't think I've ever had as many requests for a tie stream as we've got for this one. And both guys brought it. It was a fantastic 12 rounder. Very close, very hotly contested. Yeah, one of the better bouts of the year. Um, in a year that maybe hasn't given as many great bouts, but still a really good, really good fight.
0: That's all you could ask for. And Wan Hang, even though he, he now has lost his O and he can't hold any type of record over Floyd. Yeah, at least he had an entertaining fight, right?
1: Oh, come on. His 54-1 is still
0: better than 50-0. He's got more wins. That's what matters is the number of wins, right? You're right. I, I'm sorry, Hang, to dispute your goatness. You still are the goat in my book.
1: Yeah, it was a really entertaining fight. thing uh, for a guy who's 35 in a minute, he really dig deep. He looked like he was well behind after five rounds. Then he gritted his teeth and really went to work, setting a higher tempo. Quit to uh, Panya for showing his composure. Um, yeah, really, really entertaining about. fantastic fight, and a great example of what the what the lower weights and the little men can do for the sport.
0: Do you think this is Wan last fight?
1: The uh, newspapers and talent are talking about a rematch. But I genuinely think he wants to retire. I think he wants out the spot and will walk away now uh, with his one and the title handed over.
0: Well, if this is indeed. His last fight. We salute you, Wanhang. And thank you for all you've given to the sport of boxing. For all those 55 fights that you turned in. And what a a career. 54-1. and Very impressive. Also, fighting this past week, Yelusinov and Majidov. Two very, very impressive, impressive amateurs. And they're still doing well when it comes to professional boxing.
1: Yeah, I think this is probably the best we've seen from Danny Yelusinov, who did a number on Julius Ndongo, the Flama Unified um, Light white Champion. And Ndongo was dropped in the first round, dropped again in round two. He was just completely out of his depth. I think Ndongo this is the next step forward, but he now needs to really, really start moving along. He's too old for more um, development fights. He's only 10 and up, but he now needs to push along. As for Majidov, that bout with Sarah Delgado was it was concerning. Majidov had his way with Delgado. He did what he wanted with them. Um, but Delgado was audibly breathing heavily after the first round. The commission had no oxygen on standby when Delgado seemed to be unable to breathe and the bout was stopped. Real questions need to be asked to the Florida State Boxing Commission who they failed Delgado here.
0: You, you never want to see something like that. You obviously know, stepping into the boxing ring, that it's it's a dangerous sport and you don't play boxing. It's a fight. But at the same time, you want to do everything possible to make sure it's as safe as possible.
1: Yeah, as a commission, um, you should be making sure that everything is safe. You shouldn't be letting someone in Delgado's fitness shape um, into the ring. He shouldn't have been licensed. And if they haven't up medical oxygen on site for this fight, do Florida ever have it on site? And if it was on site, why wasn't it used? There's a lot of questions that matching boxing in Florida need to answer.
0: Asianboxing.info with Scott and Colin. It's the Asian Boxing Podcast. Scott, we also saw Musashi Mori against Sushi Tameda And this was a barn burner.
1: This hasn't been televised yet, but will be televised over this coming weekend. But yeah, it was an absolute thriller. Um, Tomita set a very high tempo from the beginning. Mori was in trouble early on. He was under pressure, then battled back and dominated the second half of the fight with Tomita having the odd round here and there where he managed to have success. And then eventually, Tomita was uh, cut in round 11 and stopped by Yuji Fukuchi, the referee, when under pressure um, midway through. The eleventh round, um, yeah, absolutely bomb and the fans and tenants were raving about it. Fantastic fight and a great, great win for Mori at this point in his career.
0: And for Mori, I I just love his style. He has that fan-friendly style. Again, we we haven't, at least I haven't gotten to see this fight, but I know from previous fights that I've seen, just a really exciting style where he's he's a brawler and he has a, a strong left. And he has the hair, he has the look. So he, he does have all of the makings of a star.
1: He does, and you mentioned the bronze style. He did have that earlier in his career. He's now been working with Ismail Salas, who's tried to wean him off that style, which has its advantages and disadvantages. He was certainly a lot more of a brawler against like, so Alan Ballaspin earlier in his career. But with Salas guiding him, he has redeveloped his job, he's developed his counterboxing. Um, but when you need to brawl against to me, that he did. He hasn't lost that completely. He's just becoming a lot more of a rounded fighter.
0: And to be with such a decorated trainer in Solace is, uh, it can only benefit a guy like Morty. And some exciting news for the young Southpaw, he has his next bout lined up?
1: He has. Here we find Satoshi Shimizu on, I believe it's March 11th uh, next year in an RPBF. Do we be our Asia Pacific title unification belt? Mori um, actually announced this on Sunday morning, live at an event in Korea, uh, as in Korea City in Aichi Prefecture. And then it got pushed forward push 10 days. So I'm not really sure if he's given the original date properly. Um, but yeah, that's a fantastic matchup. It's Mori and his boxing, his brawling, his speed against Shim- uh, Satoshi Shimitsu, the wild, free swinging, southpaw giant who. One Olympic medal, but can't actually box.
0: It's so funny when I hear Shimizu, bronze medalist in the Olympics, and you expect technicality. You expect a boxer, you know, who really can box, but he's just in there just winging away. He He's the most unorthodox Olympic medalist I think I've ever seen.
1: Yeah, he was a two-time Olympian. He had, like, I think it was 140 wins, I think, as an amateur, um, You'd imagine at five foot ten, he's Luke Campbell's height, he fought Luke Campbell in the Olympics. You'd imagine he's gonna be a good boxing outside fighter, not just a free swinging I'm gonna knock you out or get knocked out myself type. Very much Japan's uh, Deontay Wilder.
0: Yes. I think that's the best way to describe him, and maybe that's what makes them, you know, guys like Wilder or Shimizu so good, especially in an amateur setting because they're so unpredictable. And wild is, maybe as an amateur, you're really not used to seeing that type of style. And
1: the power. That power there makes you think, oh, maybe I don't want to take a risk against him. He can hit. And, yeah, it's possible that's uh, the key to his success.
0: Let's go from Japan over to Thailand. Back to Thailand, because we started with Wan Hang. But there's a sensational 16-year-old Thai boxer who's making waves.
1: There is indeed Fubadin Yuhango, a 16-year-old who now sports a 10 5 record. He's the Dewey Bia Asia uh, light welterweight champion. He debuted at the age of 14. In 2019, he won a mini-tournament called The Fighter. And since then, he's really kicked on. And this past Saturday, he scored a fantastic six-round win over at Chiria and I'm not going to try and pronounce actually his surname, but he was 13, you and he got stopped in six rounds by a fantastic Fubudin.
0: It mean, it's really incredible. 16 years old and you're 10 and 0 already. I feel like, man, he has a, a, a super bright future ahead of him.
1: He does have a super bright future, um, but I think we do need to perhaps put the block on him a little bit, and I imagine he's going to spend the next year or two getting developmental fights in Thailand. Uh, hopefully bring over some good Filipinos or Indonesians or Japanese fighters to try and get him some rounds. He is a fantastic boxer. The thing that really is outstanding about him is his boxing brain. Against Atria, he spent the first four or five rounds working out Atria, countering, using his speed, using his movement. And then in round six, he went through the gears. He knew that his opponent couldn't hurt him. He tagged him again in the ear, completely lost Acheria completely lost his balance. And then he went for the kill. He's a very educated and intelligent youngster.
0: Fubadine. That's a name you better remember. Etch in your mind. Because uh, he's 16. He's 10-0. and 0, And who knows? He he might make it at the world level when it's all said and done. It's Asian Boxing, the podcast. Asianboxing.info with Scott and Colin. Scott, we have a lot of fights that are, are coming up uh, this week not only in Japan but also in Thailand.
1: We do. It's another one of those weekends where if you look at the schedule perhaps there isn't a lot but what we have is really good and it it's exciting because of that. Um in Thailand we have Fong Sapon Panyakum versus Kompet Pop Pramuk. Um really exciting fight. Fong Sapon is one of our talented Thai's uh, real prospect. Kompet Pop Pramuk is a proper veteran a proper old school veteran i'd suggest he's a, a bit like thailand's version of derek chisora he comes forward he's never never an easy fight for anybody always pressuring and that's a really good test for fun, to fun we also have apichet pechmani versus musheg Adoan too these two fought to a controversial bout a few months ago where apichet was dropped twice and very 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 lucky to get the decision and Almost immediately, almost like two days after the fight, they announced they were going to have a rematch. Actually, another really close one. I fancy Idoin to stop Peshmani this time. though.
0: And then in in Japan, we're seeing a couple of fights, including a star in Mikito Nakano coming back.
1: Yeah, so on Saturday in Japan, actually at the same time as the Taikad, we're seeing Mikito Nakano uh, in his first fight against a Japanese opponent as he takes on Ruita Sayeki is just a sensational boxer puncher. He's 25, he's a southpaw, very smooth fighter, very clean puncher, very knowledgeable, very strong amateur pedigree. On paper, this looks like being one of his toughest bouts. I think he's going to make it look easy, but Sayaki should go around, and it should perhaps be Nekana answer a couple of questions about his stamina, his mental aptitude in the ring.
0: 126 right now in Japan is stacked. Where does Nakano fit at the featherweight division in Japan?
1: I think he probably fits somewhere outside the top 10. It's a very, very, very deep division. But he's only you know, 25. He's 4-0. And he's not in a rush. He doesn't need to be rushed. you got guys like Ryo Sagawa, Ryo Abe, Misashi Mori, Satoshi Shimitsu, Shohei Amori. Uh, even guys like Ryo Matsumoto, Takuya Mizuno are all probably a bit too far ahead of him but i'd say within, within 12 to 18 months he'll be certainly in the title mix
0: really a stacked division it, it's fun to see 126 and 130 in japan because it seems there's just countless fighters there who are possibly going to be contending for a title in japan
1: whether it's regional or domestic title they're all going to be clashing with each other they're going to make fantastic fights and Even if none of them actually gone to the world level, I imagine some of them will, but if none of them do, there's still going to be some amazing fights between them.
0: Asian Boxing, the podcast with Scott and Colin. Asianboxing.info is the website. Scott, any other fights that are are coming up this week?
1: Yeah, on Thursday, we have another card from Japan. Um, This is headlined by a Japanese Minoi title bout between Masataka Taniguchi and Hizuki Sasa. If I'm being honest, this shouldn't be too much of a test. I think Taniguchi win that there without any problems. Taniguchi had a really frustrating year. He was originally set to face Lito Dante in March, and then COVID-19 happened. That ball got cancelled. He then had to wait and wait and wait, and now faces Sasso nine months later. On the same card, Ayakamiyo and Etsu Katada, they fought to a draw earlier this year, and they'll clash the WBO um, female minimum weight title. The first one was brilliant. I expect this one to be brilliant as well.
0: Good amount of boxing uh, this week, not only in Japan and in Thailand. Out of all of these fights, Scott, which one catches your eye the most? If you could only watch one, which one would you be watching?
1: It would actually probably be the female fight between Miao and Tada. I thought the first one was fantastic. I think this one would be just as good. Women's boxing might not be as good as men's in general. But when the top women fight the top women, we get brilliant ballots. And Male and Tad are absolutely brilliant. They're legends between them. And yeah, that should be, be an absolute band burner.
0: It's the Asian Boxing Podcast with Scott and Colin. And Scott, we have some exciting news, we have some sad news, and some troubling news. What are you hearing uh, through the grapevine right now? In
1: regard to exciting news, we have had some bouts reconfirmed. Um, Katsunori Takiyama versus Ria Kenishi, which was supposed to take place a couple of weekends ago, has been reorganized for December 27th. That got canceled when Kenishi tested positive for COVID-19 and then had negative tests afterwards, which basically cleared him. So it's great to see that bouts reorganized. Uh, Ryusuke Nishida versus... Shohei Omari's been reorganized as well. That's been cancelled twice this year, and that's now on. Uh, another fantastic bout, a really big step up for Nishida. Krating Deng Dengjima, or Kiram is back in action later this month on December 19th, um, up at White Heavyweight, which is bizarre, given that he flew, uh Lucas Matisse at 147 pounds Yeah, there's basically you know, a lot of bout's announced. We've only mentioned the Musashi Omari versus Satoshi Shimizu bout, which is mouth-watering. And that's probably the, the happiest and the best of news. On um, slightly upsetting terms, Japanese-based Peruvian fighter Kevin Mendoza has died at the age of 23 following a car crash last week. Um, the news was brought by his promoter, Suruga Danji, who um, allowed access to fans for want to send thoughts and prayers and things to Mendoza's family. However, when it comes to troubling news, it's one of our favorites, Ken Shiro, who's been in Naughty Boy, um, as he has been involved in a car accident back in the summer when he was drunk.
0: Oh, no. Ken! Ken! What are you doing?
1: Thankfully, he did crash into a parked car by the sounds of it, and nobody got hurt, from what we can tell. There's not been any reports of anyone being hurt but it's still a troubling uh, situation for him. He um, has had to scrap his planned December 19th bout with Tetsuya Hisada. It's now expected that the JBC will give him some sort of punishment for protecting the social code of boxing in Japan. And it could be that he ends up being suspended or being forced to perhaps sit out a bit longer um, we will see what comes of it, but at the moment, that battle with his side, it's certainly not taking place in December.
0: It's unfortunate. I know we all make mistakes, but you just don't want to see anything like this. It. it I'm glad that no one was hurt, and that's the main thing. Uh, that's the most important thing, that everyone was safe, um, that he himself wasn't hurt, but at the end of the day, uh, you just have to be a lot smarter with your decisions, and we hope you know, he could get some help with, with what is possibly a drinking problem and that he can get back in the ring.
1: But the sounds it, it, wasn't so much a drinking problem as a party and the things that came after a party. So in fairness to him, I don't think he's alcoholic. But yeah, it is a worrying situation to be in. Um, He didn't send any sort of apology publicly or even acknowledge it until a Japanese newspaper broke the news. It seemed very much like the paper beat him to it and he essentially felt obliged to apologize. Potentially a very big learning experience there.
0: It's all about learning, getting better, and I know he will. And he'll be back in that ring and we'll get to see the amazing boy, Ken Shiro, fight again. Hands down, one of my favorite boxers, not only because he's such a good boxer and a champ, but he has that charming very charming personality that i think fans really cling to
1: yeah and i think that's why this is such sad news he he comes across as such a nice guy and commit this sort of mistake will damage that reputation on the other hand it does allow him to have a redemption it allows him to um, get help and go forward with his career thankfully japanese fans unlike a lot of western fans haven't jumped down his throat and said this that or the other it's kind of like in that right I hope this is a one-off, I hope this is an accident, I hope this is a mistake, I hope this is going to be repeated. Um, and Japanese fans are really, really supportive of him. I think that's really, a really good thing to see. Um, just on the idea of Kenshiro, the fight we all wanted, of course, this year was Kenshiro versus Kayaguchi. At the moment, Kayaguchi versus Thang symmetry has still not been confirmed, uh, despite being listed on the WBA's website for December 26th.
0: Well, Scott, it looks like we're going to have an extremely busy December, and I'm super pumped for it. I can't wait. Uh, Again, thank you so much for listening to the Asian Boxing Podcast. Remember, it's asianboxing.info, just the best website if you love Asian boxing. Thank you again for taking the time to listen to us, and we'll talk to you next week.